Well, with today being Mother's Day, I thought we'd start with a little Mother's Day fun. So on the Google, I found some pictures of funny things kids wrote on their Mother's Day cards to their moms. Uh, Here's a few of my favorites. This first one, this kid was just flat out direct. Check this one out here. Thank you, mom, for being wonderful, caring, and not making your meatloaf anymore. I don't know if that was a thank you for what she had done or a suggestion for the future. I don't know, but he was... Direct. Now, I'm not responsible for any blood pressure that rises on this one, okay? But this kid took his life in his own hands. Notice what he crossed out on it first. Relax, enjoy some sunshine, have a good laugh, daydream a little, just be happy. Crossed all that out. He added, could you make my bed? Also, I'm hungry and the laundry needs to be done. Have a happy Mother's Day. Love your favorite child, Colin. Yeah. I don't think he's alive anymore (laughs) after writing that. Uh, This next one might be my favorite one. Uh, Brooke shows some aggression here. Let's look at that one. Dear mom, thank you so much for being my mom. If I had a different mom, I would punch her in the face and go find you. (laughs) Love Brooke. Thanks for the aggression. I like that one. And this this poor last kid, he he tried finding something to say. Here's the last one. Happy Mother's Day 2006. You've done the best you can. Hope that encouraged that mom. Now, for for those moms, the, the words their kids said on Mother's Day is not what they were expecting, I'm sure. And it's one thing on Mother's Day to not get a card or a comment like you expect. It's another thing altogether when life takes a turn and does something you don't expect. It's another thing when life doesn't go our way. And that's what we've been talking about in the sermon series that we are ending today called Even So. What do I do when life doesn't go my way? If you're new here, by the way, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor. And for everyone who's with us, if you're here in the auditorium or joining us on video somewhere, I'm so glad that you are here. If you've missed any of the Sundays in the series, I'd encourage you to jump on our website, elementchurch.life, and you can get caught up to all of our sermons there. For a quick recap, in week number one, we talked about how we can live in the resurrection, that when life doesn't go our way, when life takes a bad turn, it's very easy to be overwhelmed by the reaction when in fact God wants to empower us to overcome the reaction by living in the resurrection. In week number two, we talked about loneliness and what can we do? What can we know when we have those feelings of loneliness and they stir up other feelings like discouragement, depression, anxiety. We even touched on a little bit uh, the subject of suicidality. Then last week, we talked about loss and grief. And we said that believing in Jesus won't remove loss from our life. It just reminds us of what we have in the midst of it. So before we dive into today's text and topic, I want to say what I've said every week in the series so far. That that God's word never promises that we will be free from problems, trouble, or or pain. In fact, some of the greatest Bible heroes in the Bible, they walked through the most difficult parts of life. God never hides that in the reality of following him. Now, I know for some people, you might be here today, and it's those difficult parts of life that have actually kept you from believing in God. 
from surrendering your, your life to him. And if that's you or for whatever reason you don't believe, I know what a huge decision it is to come to church. So thank you so much that you trusted us to come uh, to our, into our presence today for, for church. And we'll love you and we love it that you are here, whether you ever believe what we believe or not. I, I, and I want you to know too, I'll, I'll never tell you that, that God will keep all the problems away from your life. I'll never tell you that God protects you from all the pains in life because the reality is we all go through those things. What I will tell you though, and this is important, by being in relationship with God, he actually gives you the power to overcome the problems in life and the power to endure the pains that we all go through. And that's really what we've been talking about every week in the series, kind of focusing on different subjects. So the main scripture we have for today's message is Luke chapter one, verses 26 through 38. Luke one, 26 through 38, Luke is the third book in the New Testament portion of the Bible. It's written by a man named Luke, and Luke was a highly respected, well-educated doctor, a physician in first century Israel. And this letter that he wrote is, is an eyewitness account to the life of Jesus. And Luke took uh, other people's eyewitness reports. So most likely people like Peter. He took Peter's eyewitness account. And, and many scholars believe that, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was one of the eyewitnesses that Luke used to compile this letter, this eyewitness account to Jesus's life. And if Mary was one of those eyewitnesses, like scholars believe, it would make sense that Luke then gives the most detailed account to the birth story of Jesus. And Luke actually gives the only account in all the Bible of the angel Gabriel visiting Mary and telling her that though you are a virgin, you will conceive a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually the story that we're reading today. Now you might say, isn't that story usually reserved for Christmas? And yes, it usually is. Which by the way, just so you know, Christmas is 227 days away. So 32 weeks until Christmas, start preparing yourself now. To get a head start, we are gonna begin a, a brand new 32-week Christmas series today called, just kidding, we're not doing that. <laughs> Some of you panicked for a moment. Um, no, the, the truth is though, this, this story is more than just for Christmas. It's for all of us all the time, okay? And so if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, all the verses I read are on the screens. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one for free. Ask for one out at guest services. We'd love to get one into your hands. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna read all the story here, okay? I'm gonna pause along the way to make some comments. And then after reading the whole story, we're gonna break it down. Chicka, chicka, break it down. DJ Jazzy Jeff in the house, okay? And uh, we'll look at some things from the life of, of Mary on Mother's Day from the life of, of Mary. Luke 1, 26 through 28 says this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth, by the way, was Mary's cousin. She was pregnant with John the Baptist. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, look what he said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you, which sounds awesome, right? 
Like if we were to have an angel appear to us and said similar words like that, we might think, man, if I'm favored and the Lord is with me, there are some good things coming my way, like abundance and provision and blessing. That's what we might think, right? But that's not always the case just because someone is favored or has God with them. Verse 29 says this, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. And as I was studying this, I was like, there it is again, favor. So I might be thinking, maybe I've won the lottery. Maybe I'm getting a brand new car. Maybe the Patriots will never win another game in the history of mankind. Can I get a witness up in here? I have found favor with the Lord. Okay, that works every time. It's kind of sad that we get more excited about the Patriots losing than just about anything else in life, okay? But it's a godly thing. Verse 31. <laughs> you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He'll be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Or in the original Greek language, homie say what? Right? <laughs> like her question makes sense, does it not? I mean, can you imagine what Mary had to be thinking? Me? Pregnant? I've never been with Joseph, my fiance. I've never been with anyone in my life. Like if, if what the angel says is true, how will I explain this? Like, no one will believe me, including Joseph. She had to be facing a massive amount of uncertainty at this moment in life. Verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born will be holy, and he'll be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, for, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Some manuscripts read, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded. And how would you respond in that moment? Like if it were me, I might say, I don't think so. I ain't spilling that tea to everyone. Like, show God's favor to someone else. I don't want God's favor if that's what it is, but that's not what Mary said. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. I am the Lord's servant. That word servant in the Greek language for real is the Greek word doulos, and that word means a slave or a bond slave. And a bond slave was typically someone who willingly indentured themselves, disregarding their own interests for the sake of serving someone else's. So Mary responded, I am the Lord's bond slave. May everything he said about me come true. And I'm thinking, everything? Because we need to understand that the everything she was referring to was not just conceiving a child by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was all the implications that go with that. 
So, so here's Mary, never had sex with anyone, not even her fiance, Joseph. But who's gonna believe that when she shows up great with child? Like everyone's gonna naturally assume that Mary has been swiping right, if you know what I mean. The, the Jewish laws against premarital or extramarital sex, like the Jewish laws against that, they were extreme, extreme. For instance, if a man married a woman who claimed to be a virgin like Mary and then finds out that she's not, like shows up prego, like this is the law, Deuteronomy 22, 21. The woman must be taken to the door of her father's home and there the men of the town must stone her to death for she has committed a disgraceful crime in Israel by being promiscuous while living in her parents' home. In this way, you will purge this evil from among you. Hello. By the way, there was a similar law for the man involved in the sex act as well. That's the worst that could happen. You just get killed. At the very least, According to Deuteronomy 24, verse one, if your wife or fiance was found to be unfaithful, you could divorce them or break off the engagement with no consequences. And the reality was, if Joseph did not take Mary as his wife, there probably wasn't any man that would. Because in this culture, men wouldn't take on a wife when she had a presumed adulterous child. So it was a very real possibility that in submitting this part of her life to the Lord, she would have to stay under the care of her father for the rest of her, of her life. That was if her father allowed her to stay because he also had the right to abandon her, to, to press charges against her for bringing shame upon the family. So Mary would have known all of this. Being a good Jewish young woman, she would have known the, the Jewish law. And, and don't, don't forget Mary at this time was probably a teenager, most likely between 13 and 17 years old. And she's surrendering her life to the Lord. With, 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 with that information in mind, with those very real possibilities of death or abandonment, with what had to be a massive amount of uncertainty facing her, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. Am I the only one challenged by this level of humility and faith from a teenage girl? The Albert Barnes commentary said this, this was an expression of resignation to the will of God and of faith in the promise to be the servant of the Lord is to be submissive and obedient. And then the Charles Ellicott commentary said this. The words here seem to show a kind of half-consciousness that the lot which she thus accepts might bring with it unknown sufferings as well as untold blessedness. She shrinks, as it were, from the awfulness of the position thus assigned to her and is able to say what her own son said when his time of agony had come. And what, what did Jesus say? Well, on the night that he was arrested and later crucified, knowing the suffering he would face, knowing the pain that he would endure, knowing the, the abandonment that he was about to feel, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Luke 20, 
2, verse 42, records Jesus saying these words in a prayer, very famous words. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet, or one last time in the series, that can be translated, even so. That even though I don't wanna walk through this, even so, I want your will to be done, not mine. In the face of uncertainty, Mary and Joseph and countless others throughout Christian history have had such confidence that they would walk in the will of God. Not, not that God's will was for them to suffer. They were just acknowledging that by walking in his will, that might bring suffering with it. Even so, they had confidence in the face of uncertainty by surrendering to the will of God. And that's actually the big idea for today. It's on the screens if you wanna write it down, it's this. When faced with uncertainty, the key to confidence, the key to being confident is surrender. That sounds counterintuitive because when we are uncertain, we wanna take control. But when faced with uncertainty, the key to confidence is actually surrender. It's letting go of control to the will of, of God. So the question I think we have to answer for the remainder of our time here is this. What should I surrender in uncertainty? What should I surrender? The, the, the first three sermons in this series, they've been heavy. Like if you've been here, they, they've been heavy. It brought up lots of emotions, tears have been, have been shed. They, they kind of focused more on, on comfort and care and encouragement when life doesn't go our way. But fair warning, today I wanna challenge us, okay? I wanna challenge us on some things when life doesn't go our way. So what should I surrender in uncertainty? The first thing, they're all from the life of Mary. First thing I see is this, I should surrender my desires. Surrender my desires. Think about what Mary was surrendering in this moment. And by the way, the, these desires that Mary surrendered, they aren't bad desires. They, they just potentially stand in the way of God's ultimate desire for her life. And I'm not even saying these desires I'm about to list out. I'm not saying these are even the same ones that you and I will struggle with surrendering. I'm just saying these are the ones I see in Mary that stood out to me. The first one is this. Mary had to surrender her desire for marriage. As I said, this had the potential to mark her life forever. So much so that no man, including Joseph, would marry her. And remember, remember, Mary didn't know the rest of the story. Mary didn't know that the angel would also appear to Joseph and Joseph would surrender to the will of God as well and take Mary as his wife. Mary, Mary did not know that. I, I think sometimes we read the Bible that way. We, we read the Bible as if the Bible characters knew what was coming. Mary didn't know what was coming. She had not gone to Sunday school and taken notes on herself, right? Like Mary had not read ahead in the Bible. There was nothing yet to read. 
Mary did not know what God was going to do. She was just doing what God said to do. She surrendered her desire for marriage, not knowing if she ever would be in her life. She surrendered her desire for safety and security. Death or abandonment was a very real possibility. She surrendered her desire for comfort and like just remove the physical discomfort of carrying and delivering a child. I think every mom would agree that's incredibly uncomfortable. Disregard even that part of it this was gonna cause some pretty awkward conversations. This would disrupt some relationships in life. So Mary surrendered her desire for safety, security, for comfort. She surrendered her desire to be liked. No doubt, this would mar her reputation, at least for a while, by having a child out of wedlock and then claiming she never had sex. So she had to be okay with, if nobody likes me, I'm okay. How did she do that? (laughs) When life didn't go her way, when faced with massive amounts of uncertainty, how did she have so much confidence in God? Well, here's part of it. I think Mary delighted in God more than she desired things from God. She delighted in God more than she desired things from God. She surrendered her desires. Psalm 37, four says this, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Very easy to be excited about that verse and take it out of context, right? Like I I used to think that that verse meant If I delighted in God, he would actually give me what I want. Even as a kid growing up in a pastor's home, like I knew that verse. And I would actually pray that verse and try to manipulate God into giving me a (laughs) go-kart. I wanted a go-kart so stinking bad when I was a kid, and I have yet to ever own a go-kart if anyone wants to fulfill this young boy's desire. (laughs) I I would pray, Lord, I delight in you. Where's my go-kart? It's kind of sad, but I still find myself slipping back into that God owes me mentality at times. That if I can somehow convince the God of the universe that I really do delight in him, then he has to give me what I want. But that's not what that verse means. Not even close. Pastor John Piper said this about that verse. The reason those who delight in themselves in the Lord receive the desires of their heart is not just because one causes the other, but because one shapes the other. Delighting in God shapes the kinds of desires that we have in our heart. Isn't that good? So it's not that when we delight in the Lord, he gives us what we want. It's when we delight in the Lord, he begins to shape what we want so that my desires align with his will and thus I am fulfilled. So when faced with uncertainty, the key to being confident is surrender. What should I surrender in uncertainty? I should surrender my desires. Mary surrendered her desires. To God. She delighted in the Lord 
more than she desired things from the Lord. And I just gotta say, that's a challenge to me. And I kind of sense it is to those in the room as well. Second thing I see is this, I should surrender my dreams. I should surrender my dreams. You might say that's similar to the first one, and it is. So I won't spend a ton of time here, but I do think it's good to mention that yes, Mary surrendered her desires to God, but the reality is it's from our desires that our dreams are born. The, the two are connected together. So it made me, as I was thinking through this passage, ask the question, did Mary and Joseph have plans, hopes, and dreams for their life? Have they talked about where they wanted to live? What community they wanted to put their roots down in? What kind of house did they want to build and have? Had they dreamed about Joseph opening his carpentry business and Mary staying at home and helping raise a normal Jewish family? Because those dreams were surrendered now. That wasn't gonna be, their plans were not gonna happen. I'm pretty sure it was not part of their dream to birth their first child in a barn surrounded by animals instead of their family. I'm quite certain it wasn't a dream of theirs to flee to Egypt for their lives, but that's what they did. When King Herod found out that a king of the Jews was born in Bethlehem, he ordered that every boy two years and under be killed. And so warned in a dream, Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt for quite a while, abandoning the dreams for their life. Mary didn't know it at the time, but in this surrender, she was surrendering her dreams to watch her child live out his life the way she imagined because when Jesus was 33 years old, Mary would be one of the very few people at the foot of the cross watching her son be brutally beaten and killed. I'm pretty sure that wasn't a dream for her motherhood. And then listen, please don't hear me say dreams are wrong. There, there is nothing wrong with, with plans, hopes, or dreams for things in this life. I think it's healthy. It's good to have those things. But if we are going to have any confidence in the face of uncertainty, we have to surrender those dreams to God and say, God, I trust you with my dreams. And if your plan is not in these dreams, they belong to you anyway so I surrender them. When faced with uncertainty, the key to being confident is surrender. So what should I surrender in uncertainty? I surrender my desires, I surrender my dreams, and the last one here I think ties into this plans, hopes, and dreams as well, and we'll talk about that. Number three is this, I should surrender my decisions. And when I say decisions, I'm talking about my everyday decisions my everyday actions. Because when faced with uncertainty, when things don't go my way, I can't make decisions based on my desires. Desires lie. I can't make decisions based on dreams. Dreams can be distracting to the will of God in our life. 
When faced with uncertainty, when things don't go my way, I have to make decisions based on the will and plan and call of God on my life. Now, this is purely conjecture on my part, okay? The Bible does not address this that I'm aware. But I tend to believe that Mary's surrender to this one decision was a sign of her surrender in every decision. Not that Mary was perfect. She was just like all of us. I'm sure she was far from it. I just think God chose her for this one act in his plan because she had already surrendered her actions to his plan. So he chose Mary. I believe on a daily basis, Mary had shown herself to be a person of surrender, surrendering her desires, her dreams, her decisions to the will of God. Not my will, but yours be done. Psalm 119, verses five through eight, King David gives this beautiful prayer. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. Is that not awesome? Like, God, I, I'm with you. Please don't give up on me. That's, that's my prayer, church. That that's what I want our prayer to be. Oh, that my actions will consistently reflect your decrees. Then I'll not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. So God, I'll thank you by living as I should. Please don't give up on me. I surrender my decisions to you. My everyday decisions. And look, at... As I said already, I'm all for making plans, having hopes and dreams. My wife and I do that for our own life. I think it's a good and healthy thing. I just believe God's way more concerned about my everyday decisions than he is the dreams for my entire life. He's way more concerned about today than he is 20 years from now. Psalm or Proverbs 16, verse three, says this, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Don't we often flip that? God, here's all my plans. Would you bless them? And then let me live in action however I want. And we wonder why our plans don't succeed. No, Lord, I submit to you my actions. And what happens? When I actually commit my actions to the Lord, my plans will succeed. But the reality is they weren't my plans to begin with. By actually submitting my actions to God, I live out the plan he has for my life. Therefore, my plan succeeds. That's what Mary did. That's what I want to do in my life. Faced with overwhelming amounts of uncertainty, Mary seemed to have such confidence in God. She didn't hesitate. 
I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. That no matter what comes my way, no matter what happens today, no matter what will happen tomorrow, even so, I want your will to be done, not mine. I'm challenged by that, church. I surrender my desires, my dreams, and my decisions to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So where are you at today? What is it that you need to surrender so that you have confidence in the face of uncertainty? And for some of you, it might be surrendering actually your heart by faith in Jesus. Like these other things, again, they're, they're great things. They won't really work in your favor without faith in Jesus for salvation. So that, that might be your decision. Jesus paid the price for your sins. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. And by faith in him, you can be forgiven, have power to live for him every day, and the promise of being with him forever one day. If that's you, by all means, that's your decision. Find me, find a pastor, a volunteer to talk to about that. We will talk to you about putting your faith in Christ. But for, for those who believe, where are you at? What is it for you? I just want you to pause and reflect for a moment and just simply ask God, God, what in my life do I need to surrender? What in my life do I need to surrender? Is there a desire that you're holding on to that's keeping you from saying, may everything you've said about me come true? Is there a dream, a plan, a hope that you just haven't let go of yet? That God's saying, hey, I'm, I'm all for plans, hopes, and dreams, but I want you to hold that one with open hands. Is there a decision that keeps tripping you up? <laughs> and you just gotta surrender? Listen, I, I'm making this sound super easy. This is not like a, oh yeah, just surrender it and then life's awesome. No, this is not a one-time thing. This is an everyday thing. And that thing that's on your heart right now, you might surrender it today and tomorrow it'll rear its ugly head again. You gotta surrender it again and again and again. It's a moment by moment surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. So I don't know what anybody's surrender is. I know what mine is, but I wanna pray for all of us today. So God, I'm, I'm so challenged by by the story of Mary, it's only a few verses, but she has such surrender in her heart to you. So Lord, in my own life, in the life of everyone in this room, Lord, I believe you're speaking to us. You're, you're revealing things in our life that we're kind of holding on to. And Lord, when, when uncertainty comes and it's coming, we won't have any confidence if we're trying to hold on to stuff and control it. So Lord, right now, we, we are just, we're surrendering our desires to you. We hold them with open hands. Lord, our dreams, our plans, our hopes, we, we say, Lord, we trust you with these. And Lord, our everyday decisions, those things that we continue to come back to and trip us up, Lord, we, we pray, oh, that our actions will consistently reflect your decrees. Please don't give up on us, God. Don't give up. We're with you. Thank you, Jesus, for your patience and your kindness and your love. We give you all praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
I pray this series has been helpful for you. It's been a heavy one, but I think it's been a, a helpful and hopeful one as well. Please come back next week. We have Kennedy Crezzy here with us, a, child, a compassion child who graduated from the program, owns his own business. He's an amazing communicator and will share some of his talents with us as well. It's gonna be incredible. So come back next week for that. Um, if you're new here, stop by the living room. If you need prayer for something going on in your life, we'll stay as long as needed all the way in the back of the room. Our prayer team will pray for you, whatever's going on. I love you guys so much. Have an awesome week. Happy Mother's Day. You're dismissed.